0: Bamba cloud shoot upon fire man. This is Maestro, and I'm coming to you live from New York City for the first edition of Check It Out. And on Check It Out, look, it's going to be pretty simple. I'm going to go over some of the main news, okay, that's been dropping in the sport of boxing, all right? And I'm going to use my primary source, which is usually the boxing scene, uh, which I think is a great Place for all of you to get your news. And for those of you who, you know, can't be on your phones tip tapping away, all right, looking through the articles, or maybe you're driving, maybe you're on a motorcycle like me, or on a bicycle, or maybe you're on the subway or wherever, I'm going to go through the news for you and I'm going to give you my own kind of perspective on what's going on. So, uh, without any further ado, this is Check It Out. Out And uh, you're listening to Maestro, okay? Uh, you're also going to be able to check me out Mondays with my brother Kenny T for Mano a Mano. And I'm going to be dropping punchlines every now and again as well. So look, I want to start off with uh, the first bit of news that I found uh, that's been kind of most interesting, okay? And uh, that news Uh, came courtesy, again, of boxing scene. It also came courtesy of my email box because I was supposed to attend the big press conference this week here in New York City to announce Jake Paul taking on Tommy Fury, okay? Now, this was the second of two major press conferences that were set to take place in New York City. I attended the first, all right? I've already uploaded content from that Uh, media press conference which was obviously for canelo and triple g check out the channel for information on that all right and uh, that went pretty well uh triple g and canelo both seem to be very very antagonistic towards one another uh they clearly don't like one another they clearly uh you know are are adversaries, all right? They're not going to be getting beers after this fight, you know? They're not going to be going to each other's birthday parties, you know? They're not going to be attending each other's kids uh, graduation events They're two guys that really don't like each other and that was pretty pretty clear on Monday. Now Tommy Fury uh, was supposed to come over here to New York City uh, I believe it was supposed to arrive here on Monday and He didn't. It was actually announced that he would not be attending the press conference today. Um, It was supposed to take place here in New York City at 10 a.m. It didn't happen. All right. Uh, He was denied entry into the United States. Uh, That's what the U.S. government did to Mr. Fury. And apparently, according to Tommy Fury, like no reason was actually given as to why he wasn't allowed into the country. But people, all right, can guess as to what the reason is. And because it's been reported that Tyson Fury has also been denied entry into the United States, a lot of people are assuming that it's for the same reason that Tyson Fury was denied entry. And that reason being, okay, uh, alleged ties to the alleged Uh, crime family I'm saying alleged because all of these things are alleged Uh, alleged crime family uh, you know the Kinahan crime family out of out of Ireland out of uh, Dublin and uh, yeah so he was denied entry into the US all right Um, as, as Jake Donovan from the boxing scene reports Jake Paul is once again left standing at the altar while waiting for a fight with Tommy Fury to materialize ABoxingTeam.com has confirmed that the previously announced Paul Fury bout is officially in a holding pattern. Manchester's Fury went on record Tuesday morning to verify previously suggested rumors that he was turned away at London's Heathrow Airport due to his ESTA, which stands for Electronic System for Travel Authority, document being denied preventing the Brit from traveling to the U.S., So I just want to come on here and set the record straight before anyone else tries to, Fury stated in a video posted on his verified social media channels. Me and my team this morning arrived at Heathrow Airport, ready for the press conference, ready to fly out. And as soon as I entered the airport, I got pulled to the side and I was told by the Homeland Security officer that was there that my ESTA had been denied and I wasn't able to travel to the U.S., for a reason that I apparently don't know. I can't stand here and say I've done absolutely nothing wrong, and I have no clue why I'm not allowed to travel to the USA. I've been training for a fight this whole time, and that's all I've been doing. All right, so we don't really have much more information than that as to why Tommy Fury has not been allowed into the United States. Uh, Not much more has been said on it. People are speculating as to what the reason might be, again, probably ties or alleged ties or, you know, maybe they exchange an email or, or a text message. I don't really know, but it's seeming like anyone associated with MTK Global, with the Kinahan family, with even Tyson Fury at this point is being targeted by the United States government as it relates to entry into the U.S. And I don't know what all of you think, uh, but I I think that this is kind of harsh. All right. I think it's pretty harsh to deny the guy entry to earn a living here, you know, in a fight that was going to be the biggest moment of this young man's career. Well, unless, unless you include being on love Island, a big moment. All right. But I'm not talking about love Island. I'm talking about boxing and In terms of meaningful fights, which is a term that I like to to use because, you know, he hasn't really been in any meaningful fights yet. And this would have been the first one. So he's been denied entry. I don't know what that means. I mean, they didn't announce through the regular channels to media members that the media press conference was going to be scheduled for another time uh, that wasn't announced okay uh they also didn't announce that this flight was going to be rescheduled they didn't say that another opponent right might be in the waiting all right or they might be bringing in somebody else to replace tommy fury all right and, and the thing is whether or not you like tommy fury or not whether or not you like Jake Paul or not? The fact is that Jake Paul, again, whether you like it or not, Jake Paul does give financial opportunities to fighters. All right? Jake Paul does give financial opportunities to fighters. Now, Maestro, what what do you mean by that? He's terrible. He's a social media star. I understand all of the things that have been said about jake paul i i really do right uh but the fact is amanda serrano was scheduled to fight on this undercard if this fight doesn't go through she's out of a payday she's out of a fight right and i'm i've got no doubt that there would have been other people on this undercard as well boxers on this undercard that will no longer get a payday get an opportunity to practice their trade, and, you know, let's be honest, feed their families, feed themselves, right? So things do uh, have repercussions, all right? I, I don't quite know w- what the situation is with Tommy Fury. Uh, I, I didn't know that he was associated with Empty Take Global. But the other thing, too, is what about all the other fighters associated with Empty Take K Global? Because there's quite a few. All right, we've got the undisputed champion at 140, Josh Taylor. He's associated with MTK Global. All right, You even got fighters in the U.S. that are associated with MTK Global. Uh, but I'd be surprised if they were denied entry because they're U.S. citizens. But there are a number of fighters that were associated with MTK Global. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to them as they try to seek Entry into the United States for fights, for training camps, for business meetings, for whatever. So very, very interesting to me to see what uh, is going to happen there. All right. So that that is from yesterday's boxing scene. But it's something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, The news dropped after Amano Amano with Kenny T, which I do Monday evening here in New York City, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. 11 p.m gmt for my uh, gmt people all right and uh yeah so uh that is what it is all right so we'll it it will remain to be seen what happens with that all right we'll remain to be seen what happens with that i want to thank everyone that's here live with me all right i'm gonna get to your comments all right uh as i go through it so we got ronald over here salute chauncey salute I see all of you. I see you, Jeff. I see you, Jeff. All right. And I see my guy, Pugilism, as well. Uh, Pugilism says, Tommy Fury just got to follow Floyd's footsteps and be a secret agent to travel. Showcase exhibitions with uber wealthy and provide a girl collection for relaying classified info. Uh, you guys remember that movie, I Spy? Funny enough, Pugilism, with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson. That movie got panned by the critics the critics didn't like it I actually thought that movie was hilarious and uh Eddie Murphy played uh, an undercover spy all right who was uh, actually a professional boxer uh they took a little bit of this that took a little bit of that there's a little Roy Jones in there or there's a little bit of Floyd in there too probably anyway if I remember correctly the character's name was Kelly Robinson and um Kelly Robinson was like this, uh, you know, kind of playboy uh undefeated fighter that would knock everybody out and was going abroad on a uh, secret missions or at least this one secret mission undercover with Owen Wilson. And I-, I thought that that was pretty funny. That movie I saw it multiple times. The critics hated that movie, but uh, I thought that it was a pretty, pretty uh, funny movie. And uh, I've seen it a number of times. So there you go. Uh, Another story that I found interesting here on the scene, all right? Um, And it's not interesting because it's meaningful, but it's just interesting in its Shakespearean-level tragedy, all right, as it relates to Jarrell Big Pharma Miller, all right? He used to be called Big Baby, but you know what? As far as my show is concerned, there's only one Big Baby right now in boxing, and uh that's big baby jared anderson all right big baby miller oh that's another story altogether so all of you are going to remember that anthony joshua was supposed to make his u.s ring debut here at madison square garden and was supposed to fight Jarrell. just sorry Jarrell miller all right Jarrell miller all right and uh you know, the the Miller fight was proposed. I don't want to get in all of the genesis of this, but I guess I might as well. The Miller fight was proposed because Dillian White decided that he needed more money to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. He needed more money to fight a guy who had already knocked him out in London. And I'm talking about AJ. So they moved on from Dillian White, and they moved towards another opponent. And uh, the opponent that was picked was Jarrell Miller, all right? And uh, Jarrell Miller, I I mean, this is a guy who had every opportunity to make a big, big splash in the heavyweight division, for those of you who don't know, all right? Uh, His family is uh, Latino, Caribbean, all right? Uh, his mom is from Belize, Central America. I believe his dad is Haitian, all right? Um, and he hadn't really been in huge fights, but he'd, be, he'd been making a kind of a name for himself uh, here in the United States, former kickboxer. Anyways, you guys all remember that, you know, he failed about four different drug tests leading into this fight. You know, they ended up fighting Andy Ruiz Jr. instead. You know, Andy Ruiz Jr. obviously ended up knocking out uh aj all right and uh gerald miller was suspended he then ended up signing a deal apparently with top rank and then got popped again for peds all right and now uh his comeback fight actually believe it or not took place in argentina uh of all places um this past uh week uh and look, he did not look good. He he did not look like anything resembling an athlete at all, if I'm going to keep it real. Uh, very out of shape. Uh, and anyways, uh, apparently we're going to be seeing him again in the United States soon, if anybody's interested in that. I, I don't really know what's going on uh, with that. It's in Tennessee, the Embassy Suites Hotel in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So again, according to boxing scene, Jarrell Miller is on course for his first stateside fight since the pandemic. BoxingScene.com has confirmed that plans are in place for the unbeaten heavyweight who is slated to appear on a July 23rd show in the main ballroom of the Embassy Suites Hotel in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The fight will come exactly one month after his 23-point win over Ariel Bracamonte, an Argentinian heavyweight, by the way. And that was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, which marked his first ring appearance in nearly four years, which is how long it's been since Miller has fought in the U.S. Uh, look, I, th- th- sometimes the business of boxing actually kind of surprises me because they're fighting in an embassy suites, guys. All right. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the embassy suites. I mean, if you if you guys have traveled at all. um, I'm sure you'll you've come across an embassy suites. It's it's a hotel chain that's part of the Hilton family of hotels. Uh, Let's just say that this ain't exactly the Mandalay Bay. This ain't exactly the MGM Grand. Uh, This is like a three star hotel chain. You know, there, there's one in New Jersey right outside New York. I mean, they're $146 a night. They're going to be putting that on in the ballroom, in the main room of an embassy suite. So I just want to put that into perspective. You're talking about a guy who a few years ago was supposed to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. And fast forward a few years, and now he's, making a big splash in his return at the embassy suites not just any embassy suites mind you not the embassy suites on the outskirts of new york or on the outskirts of la or the outskirts of vegas but the embassy suites hotel in murfreesboro tennessee uh look i i don't like to do this but i mean that that's a definite and and i don't know what the plan is but i mean i don't know how this event makes any money or any significant money you know i'm all in favor of guys doing what they need to do to get paid to to, you know like i said earlier to feed themselves feed their families but surely there's got to be something else you can do Because this ain't going to be on TV. It's not at a major venue. It's not going to be bringing in any money. You know, uh, my understanding is that he was doing security work for uh, Floyd Mayweather not that long ago. Okay. And uh, I know that because of the whole gotcha hat incident with Jake Paul and Mayweather. I saw Big Pharma Miller right there front and center doing security detail for TBE. All right. So again, we went from what was supposed to be about a seven figure, $7 million payday to fight AJ live at Madison Square Garden. And boy, how the mighty have fallen because we're looking at July 23rd, according to Boxing Scene, in the main ballroom of the Embassy Suites. Embassy Suites, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, I mean, is that significant news? No, but it's it's interesting to me in terms of it being a story about really falling from grace. You know, you're going from world level, championship level, potentially fighter to embassy suites and guys. Uh, I hope this is a lesson to everybody to stay off those PEDs um, because this is what can happen and and if you're interested in seeing physically what happens when you come off of these PEDs, uh, go check out the footage of that fight from Argentina. And, you know, uh, I think the rest really speaks for itself in that regard. All right. Because, uh, it, it wasn't pretty. I mean, it, I'd be giving the Michelin man, a lot of credit, uh, Actually, I'd be giving him a lot of credit if I called him looking like the Michelin man. It didn't look good. Anyways, more news again, courtesy of boxing scene. Callum Smith, Mathieu Balderic is supposed to take place. WBC title eliminator heads to July 1st. Purse bit again, this is courtesy of boxing scene. Callum Smith is in a position to move within one win from challenging for a second major title. The WBC has called for a final eliminator. Between Liverpool Smith and Francis, Matthew Baldelic, with about heading to a July 1st purse bid hearing. The winner of the ordered fight will become the WBC Mandatory Challenger to unified lineal WBC IBF WBO light heavyweight champion of the world. Arthur Better Bib, 18 and 0, 18 KOs. I'm, I've been very, very interested in seeing the return of Callum Smith, uh, no one has done to Lennon Castillo what Callum Smith did to Lennon Castillo. I was literally afraid for Lennon Castillo. All right. And one thing we know about Smith, he's big. I stood next to him. I stood next to him at the garden before his younger brother was set to face Jesse Vargas, and guys, I'm 6'4". This guy was almost as tall as me. I have no clue how he was able to make the 168-pound division. I really don't, because he doesn't look like a thin guy either. He looks physically strong. He looks physically strong, and he's going to be a big, light Heavyweight. Well, he is a big light heavyweight because he's already fought once at light heavyweight. And like I said, a guy that went the full 12 with Bivol got blasted out. And I'm talking about Lennon Castillo. He got blasted out by Callum Smith. And guys, it wasn't pretty. It really wasn't pretty at all, okay? And when I think of the people that would potentially give... Arter, Better, Beeb, a tough fight. Callum Smith is on that list. Bivol is on that list. I'm not quite convinced about Anthony Yard being on that list. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm not all the way convinced about Anthony Yard being on that list. But what I am convinced is that Callum Smith should be on that list. Because if we learn anything from that fight with Canelo we learned that the guy can take punishment because we already knew he could box on a world boxing super series. But if we learn anything from that fight with Canelo, it's that the man can take punishment. He took that fight on short notice relatively for the championship level. Okay. And he went the distance with one arm Right, Looked like his his jaw might have been messed up a little bit too, but his his arm was definitely messed up badly. And like I said, he did to Lennon Castillo what no one has done to Lennon Castillo. Chauncey Pearl, salute. I appreciate that super chat, my brother. One love right back at you. You say that I think Callum Smith gives Biturbia a better fight than Joe Smith's performance. 100% I agree with that. 100%. All right, now what I'm not convinced is that Mathieu Baudelic, okay? Uh, je m'excuse, madame et monsieur, uh, that's not a name I'm very familiar with if I butchered the pronunciation there, Baudelic. Um, But I don't know much about this guy uh, other than what's available on BoxRec. He's exclusively fought against guys I've really never heard of at the domestic level in France. All right. He did take a loss at that domestic level and he lost by first round knockout to a guy named Dragon Lepe. All right. Dragon Lepe, who is a Romanian based out of Italy. And other than that it's been wins, but he's never fought anywhere near the level of Callum Smith. And uh I think Callum Smith uh Walks right through this guy, to be honest with you. Um, and uh we'll be moving on to bigger and better things. And again, according to box boxing scene, all right, those bigger and better things will be a mandatory challenger position through the WBC. All right. And Arthur better be. I hope he stays at 175. A lot of people have been calling for him to step up and wait. I don't agree with that. I don't like this whole weight jumping obsession that a lot of people have. And guys, to keep it real, there's no need to weight jump once you're at 160 or above. There just isn't because the gaps between the weight levels are so big that I mean, it's just not the same as somebody moving from 126 to 130 or 130 to 135 or 130 to 140 or 140 to 147 or 147 to 154 or 154 to 160. It's not the same when you're at 175 pounds and the next weight division is 200. It's not the same. So there should people shouldn't be calling for Arthur Betterbeeb to move up And take on cruiserweights or heavyweights. Just stop it. Now, Callum Smith, I'm all in favor of that. I'm all in favor of Callum Smith. That's a a great name. That's a great opponent. And that would be a great fight. All right? That would be a great fight. Ronald, you think Lyndon Arthur would be a good opponent uh, for Callum Smith or, or, or better be I, I don't know. Uh, for, I don't think he'd be a great opponent for either of those guys. I was actually very surprised at how Lyndon Arthur went down against, uh, against Anthony Yard in the second fight. I felt the game planning on that one was all wrong. All right. The game planning on that one was all wrong to me. And uh, I mean, he just went there on the ropes and just like literally decided, you know what? I'm going to take punishment and I'm going to let this guy wail on me and I'm going to get my ass knocked out that that really didn't make a lot of sense to me so uh, uh building blocks rebuilding process for Lyndon Arthur Ronald and you better stay away from Callum Smith or Arthur better Beeb if you're Lyndon Arthur all right May- maybe take on like a Callum Johnson and test the waters with that all right that that's 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 what I would say all right and, and Chauncey I agree. Callum Smith is a more fundamentally sound boxer than Joe Smith. I also like the fight. I'd also like to see it. All right. And, and yeah, Jesus, I, I agree with you. I mean, for an elimination fight. All right. I mean, I got to keep it real. I mean, Mathieu Balderick. I don't know why I'm having such a tough time. Again, Jim, excuse Madame madame, monsieur. All right. Mathieu Baldelique. All right, never heard of this dude. He's about to get beat up by 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 Callum Smith. Surely they could have found a better guy at 175 uh, as an eliminator. I guess not. All right, I mean we could look at the at the at the rankings over here. Again, courtesy of boxing scene. By the way, shout out to Keith Iadic. Shout out to Jake Donovan. This is the best news site for news as it relates to boxing. It just is. All right, I, I, there's no there's no one else doing it like boxing scene, and this is where I mostly get most of my news on a day to day basis. So there we go, we got Arthur Betterbeeb. All right, and I'll zoom in on this so people can see it. All right, if you're listening, all right, I am doing this live on YouTube. If you're listening on the man through podcast platform, but Arthur Betterbeeb is the champ. Then you got Callum Smith. Then you got Mathieu Baldelique, who, by the way. Happens to be ahead of Bwatsi, Yard, Krasniki, and Marcus Brown. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how this guy got so so highly ranked by, by the WBC, but hey, uh, what do I know? What do I know as it relates to that, right? So yeah, look, Callum Smith apparently has got a big, or not big, but meaningful fight. I can't even say meaningful. I mean, it's meaningful in that it's an eliminator, but... He's got a fight coming up. Let's just put it that way. And the purse bid is set for July the first. And I, for one, am hoping that the zone wins that bid so that I can get it as part of my monthly package and don't have to pay anything extra as it relates to that. All right. Other news that I found interesting, and you know, as as much as I like to talk the X's and O's and strategy. You know, offense and defense is orthodox southpaw, all right? Jabs, hooks, crosses, all of that stuff. I also like the drama behind boxing as well. So this story also caught my eye, all right? And I'm talking about Josh Taylor. Apparently, he's getting a little bit tired, and I would be too, by the way, of constantly having to deal with the talk about the Catterall win. Because, guys, guess what? I, I hate to tell you this, but it was a win, right? And, you know, I do go on the Undefeated podcast with Trav and KG, all right? And and I conversate a lot with my UK brethrens out there. Look, on that side of the pond, this was like a highly controversial decision. On this fight, it was just on this side of the pond, and I'm talking about here in North America, this was just another another win, and then we move on to the next next week of boxing, all right? But apparently out there in the UK, like they're still talking about this. They're still talking about this Josh Taylor win uh, over Catterall. And I guess one of the reasons is because Catterall keeps talking about it. Right. So. Josh Taylor says, you know, Catterall coming across a little desperate. I wouldn't be moaning like him. All right. And. You know, again, shout out to to the boxing scene, all right? IBF-WBO-WBC junior welterweight champion Josh Taylor believes Jack Catterall is coming off as a desperate fighter. They collided back in February in Glasgow with Taylor winning a controversial 12th round split decision. Taylor was dropped in the eighth round and fully admits that his performance was lackluster. Since then, Catterall has been extremely vocal about getting a rematch, and he's continuously gone after Taylor On social media, Taylor initially planned to vacate his titles and make an immediate move to the welterweight division. However, he now intends to remain at 140 pounds to set the record straight with Catterall. Before that rematch can happen, Taylor must satisfy mandatory defense against the WBC's top man, Jose Cepeda. After Cepeda, Taylor makes it clear that he's very eager to shut the mouth of Catterall. He's coming across a little bit desperate, Taylor told Sky Sports. I can't understand where he comes from. He felt like he won the fight. I'd be disappointed as well. But I wouldn't be moaning and groaning the way he's going on and on. It's just ridiculous. I can understand how he's feeling. He felt like he won the fight. I felt like I did just enough to win the fight. So it was a close fight. It could have gone either way. The judges gave it to me. The way he's acted since and the way he's coming across on social media makes me want to shut him up. It's one of the main reasons I stayed at 140 so that I could get that fight. We're doing everything we can in our power to make this fight happen Alongside the Cepeda fight as well. If not after the Cepeda fight, then next. This time around, the motivation is there, which I never had the last time. The motivation is there because of everything that has happened since the fight. Hopefully, the sooner the better for me. The only reason I'm staying at the welterweight, sorry, at the weight is to fight Cateral. Well said. Mr. Josh Taylor. Well said, sir. Uh, look, we get it. We get it. And this is to all of the English people out there. All right, you're a little bit upset, I think. Just a little bit upset. That a Scot, or is it Scotsman? You guys can correct me. You're a little bit upset that a Scotsman got a close decision in his hometown in his home country. I mean, y'all are acting like no one's ever got a shitty end of the stick decision in England. I can't tell you how many times, how many times I've seen fights where people go out to England and get robbed. All right. But the one time an Englishman goes up to Scotland and loses a close decision, everybody's up in arms and it's literally July and we're still talking about this shit that happened in in February. Come on, guys. Really? Look, at the end of the day, I'm actually pretty pleased that he's decided okay to stay at the division. I'm 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 I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy that he's decided to stay at 140. I, I never liked the idea. You know, Maestro management was involved. Maestro management would have never agreed to Josh Taylor going up in weight and taking on Terrence Crawford. That, you know, it's, it, I don't like Stephen A. Smith, but as Stephen A. Smith said, that's a bad man right there. That is a bad man. You got to stay away from Terrence Crawford if you're Josh Taylor. Stay away. Stay at 140. All right, hook up with a good nutritionist. All right get a good strength and conditioning guy on your team. I know you no longer with MTK Global because of all of the stuff with the Kinnahan family and the Kinnahan situation, right? But, you know, get it together, you know, stay on weight and reign supreme at 140 pounds because I think Josh Taylor can do it. You know, he probably wasn't very motivated for the Catterall fight. I mean Catterall was a few a, a huge underdog. I only heard a few people giving him much of a chance in this fight. Which again is why I think a lot of the Englishmen are so up in arms because he did so much better than everybody thought he would do. All right. And he he lost a close decision in Glasgow. All right. But how many people have lost close decisions in London or in Manchester or many other cities in England? But the one time an Englishman ventures north and loses a close decision, we're still talking about, Okay, well, look, I I agree, Ronald. You know, uh, you know, I think I think Lopez is in trouble if Taylor stays at 140. I think a lot of people are in trouble if Taylor stays at 140. All right. So uh, look. But good. Look, at the end of the day, I guess Caterol is keeping his name relevant, talking about this. He didn't get the immediate rematch. All right. And the WBA kind of mixed things up as well because the WBA decided that, guess what? Josh Taylor is no longer going to be their champion, right? Right? I'm, I'm going to go to uh, to their rankings in a moment. I'm just going to pull it up so people can see the rankings. But, yeah, it, it appears as if Josh Taylor isn't going to hold on to these four belts anymore. But you know what? That's okay. And what fans need to do, really, is just recognize Josh Taylor as still being the undisputed champion because he is the undisputed champion. Uh, Obviously, unless you're a fan of Jack Catterall and you're saying he's probably the champion. But as champions go, I mean, he's still, in my books, the undisputed champion at 140. Regardless of what the WBA says. All right, I know the, the WBA vacated his belt. All right, and what they have here now is they have Alberto Puello, and Ismael Barroso ranked one and two. And I'm guessing what their plan is, is to have those guys face off for the vacant title. I say I'm guessing because you never know with the WBA. And I, I remember hearing an interview with Regis Progre, where, they, where he said that they told him that they were having some kind of meeting and that before this meeting, everybody needed to like state their case. You know, I guess the WBA wanted him to get the PowerPoint presentation ready. All right, get those slides ready and and, and explain in like a Shark Tank style or Dragon's Den style presentation uh, why why uh, he should be fighting for the title. So, I mean, look, they're, they're, their rankings are all over the place. And, and as an example of that, I mean, I have it pulled up here on the screen. And again, if you're listening on demand. You can check me out on YouTube, Maestro A, Maestro A. All right, if anybody in the chat can explain to me how Regis Progray is ranked behind O'Hara Davies, uh, I'll be very impressed. Because that's how, the, that's how the WBA has decided to rank their champions right now. Anyways, they've stripped, they've stripped, they've stripped, josh taylor of it and it is what it is okay i got my caribbean bredgeon in the house okay caribbean bredgeon in the house cloud up on fire, man. and i'm looking at that tony over here and tony says you capping bad decisions in america every week wba is a joke i'm not saying there's not bad decisions here on this continent but let's stop acting like the only time there's ever been a robbery in the UK was when it happened in Scotland, Tony all right just stop it all right because because there' been there have been a lot of bad decisions in England as well all right and Ronald says Ronald says uh ESPN my favorite boxing channel right now they're up there I, look for me it's either ESPN or it's the zone and I'm talking about here in the United States what I was hoping for with ESPN plus was a lot more international cards and they've been dropping the ball on that. Because there've been a number of fights taking place in a number of places, including Japan, including featuring one of my favorite fighters trained by one of my favorite trainers is Mal Salas. I'm talking about Kazuto Ioka. And uh, apparently, I can't get those on ESPN+. Plus. Apparently, I can't even get Chris Eubank Jr. fights on ESPN+. Or David Avenison fights on ESPN+. Plus. So ESPN, just stop it, all right? And uh, put some of those fights on, please, and stop, stop denying me the opportunities to see these big fights that I want to see, all right? Because those are some fights that I want to see. All right. Some other news that I'm not really going to go over to in much detail. Edward Vasquez returns on July 4th at 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. Um, I don't really know if anyone's that interested in that. All right. Um, It sounds more like a press release, this one, than an actual article. All right. Um, You know he did have that that relatively uh close fight i believe it was against raymond ford off the top of my head um and i i guess that's why it's newsworthy um edward vasquez all right uh why they're putting him in in philly is another question altogether as well because if it's the edward vasquez i'm familiar with the guys from texas so a little bit interesting um don't quite know how newsworthy that is per se, but uh interesting, interesting nonetheless. All right. Anyways, we move on. Uh, interesting story here. All right. Uh, and by the way, this was a fight I was actually really looking forward to uh when it happened. And um, I like many people were up early. All right, when Nonito Donaire went out to Japan to take on the monster, Naoya Inoue, All right? And, uh, guys, what happened the first time was not what I expected to happen. Actually, what happened the second time is what I expected to happen the first time. And what happened was... The monster outboxed and then walked through Donaide. Much in the way, by the way, that Better Beeb did against Joe Smith Jr. Differences is, is that Joe Smith Jr. is nowhere near the technical boxer, the skilled boxer, the championship level boxer that Nonito is, which is why I gave Kazuto, sorry, why I gave uh, the monster anyway so much credit. For doing what he did. All right, but it came out that Donati has had some some comments about this. He still hasn't confirmed whether or not he's going to continue in the sport or not. I think he's got a couple more fights left in him if he chooses to do that. Although he shouldn't need to do that. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer as things already stand. All right. But... Should he decide to go on and maybe finish his career on a win, on a winning note? I I don't have any issues with that at all, actually. But anyways, uh, according to Donati, the moment I got caught with punch, I just wanted to fucking brawl. All right. And as boxing scene reports, this one's from Sean Nam. Not familiar with Sean, but maybe I'll get the pleasure to meet him someday. As the old adage goes, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Nonito Donare expressed repeatedly in the lead-up to his highly anticipated 118-pound title unification rematch with no, a yeah, way that he would employ a much more tactful strategy against the Japanese Dynamo than he did the first bout. He never got the chance. Inoue crushed Donare earlier this month at the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan, which, by the way, is just outside Tokyo, scoring two knockdowns en route to stopping the Filipino flash in two swift rounds. In their meeting in 2019, Inouye won a competitive, unanimous decision over Donate in what was hailed then by the boxing world as one of the year's most entertaining bouts. Part of the reason was because Donate, then 39-year-old, grizzled veteran who has earned titles across four divi- four divisions, sorry was able to whipsaw the decade-younger Inoue at times with big punches. Inoue suffered a broken orbital bone in their tussle. More recently, Dornado claimed he was simply winging it in the first fight without any thought to a comprehensive game plan, something he vowed to show in the return bout. But those intentions apparently went out the window last Tuesday when Inoue caught him with a clean punch. So this was clearly written a while ago but uploaded more recently. We implemented boxing in training camp, Donaire said, in a video uploaded to his YouTube channel, Beyond the Ring with Nonito and Rachel. That's the thing. We had a great game plan, using the jab, using the feint, using the jab, using the feint, and moving around. Unfortunately, a brawler is just going to brawl. That's just in me. Donate said he tried to heed the words of his wife and assistant trainer Rachel Donate, who was in his corner as well as the lessons he learned from veteran trainer Sugar Hill Steward. But in the heat of the battle against one of the hardest punching fighters in the lower weight classes, I would say in the sport, Donate found himself unable to execute what he had prepared in the gym. When I was in there, she said or she, sorry, Rachel, kept telling me to jab. Keep telling me, jab, faint, Donati said. I even worked with Sugar Hill Stewart, and he always told me to box and stuff, but I just, the moment I got caught with something, I just wanted to fucking brawl, man. Excuse my language. Donati admitted in the same interview that he had never been punched harder. Then at the end of the first round, when Inoue dropped him with a chopping right hand in the pocket, boy, was that punch devastating. I'm adding that part because it was devastating. Donate admitted he had never seen the punch coming and was not aware he was on the canvas until the referee began issuing a count. I will pretty much say that was the hardest punch I've ever been hit with, Donate said. That first knockdown, I came up completely blank i didn't see that punch coming at all in win makes him a three belt champion in the 118 pound division only paul butler of england has the remaining belt in a way noted after the fight that his priority is to become the undisputed champion in the weight class okay so first of all a big up big up to nonito for you know being a little bit vulnerable here and and sharing his views on what happened. All right, because basically stating there's something we, we've never heard as of yet, that that was the hardest shot he'd ever been hit with, that he essentially didn't know where he was for a little bit and, and until the referee literally was over him counting. All right, and let's not forget that Nonito went all the way up to 126 pounds. So for him to say that this was the hardest he's ever been hit and it was at 118 pounds and it was against the monster Inoue. I mean, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? About Inoue's power. All right. And and for people like Shakur Stevenson, I get it. What Bam did was very impressive uh, against Sit rest or Rung-Visai. I get it. I was I was amazed by it. I wasn't expecting it. All right. He blew Sitrats or Runvasai out of the water. But Sor Rung Rungvisai is not the monster. And unless people are looking for some kind of uh, Fernando Vargas, Tito Trinidad situation with Bam Rodriguez, again, stay away from this man. This is a bad man in a way. This is a bad man, ladies and gentlemen. If you're anywhere near Team Bam Rodriguez, stay away from the monster. All right, because again, if Maestro Management was involved, we, we wouldn't be going anywhere near way. All right? And the only reason we'd be steering Paul Butler towards way, he want payday, payday. We got to get Paul Butler paid. All right, because he's never going to get as much money in his career as he'll make in one night fighting the monster. All right, but, you know, stay away from him, really. Stay away. And by the way, the, as far as I'm concerned, the monster's already undefeated, un- undisputed. The, mo- the monster's already undisputed, as far as I'm concerned. All right, and I'm saying that because You don't need to beat Paul Butler for the WBO 118-pound championship to be undisputed. I'm sorry. But uh, you don't need to do that. You're already undisputed in my books. And, Neil, I agree with you. Conlon Wood fight of the year, uh, it's up there for sure. It's definitely up there for sure. We'll, We'll see how the rest of the year plays out. But uh, it's definitely up there for sure. All right, so another another interesting one here again, a courtesy of boxing scene. All right, and and big Frank, big up to Big Frank. I'm talking about Big Frank Warren, and y'all can't see me right now because, but but my Astros doing doing the the shoulder roll over here, Big Frank style. Okay. I'm doing the big Frank shoulder roll. And I'm going to agree with big Frank right now. Big up, big Frank. Uh, Because big Frank Warren is saying that Anthony Joshua is made for Daniel Dubois. And you know what? I would love to see Anthony Joshua Daniel Dubois that that's a great fight All right that's a great fight All right and uh I like I like Daniel Dubois' chances in that I really do and I'll tell you why Daniel Dubois is a big guy he he he's he's got a big frame and he's very powerful All right and the little hit and hold tactics that AJ is is trying is trying to minute, to implement, right? Against guys like Poolov, against guys like Takam, against guys like Parker, even who he was allowed to get away with it against Parker, which made for a terrible fight. Terrible fight. Uh any anytime Parker got in on the inside, the the, the, the ref was allowing AJ to hold him and tie him up and wasn't allowing Parker to get busy on the inside. But Look, AJ has decided to adopt kind of a Vladimir Klitschko- It's uh it's gonna be tough uh to, to wrestle him like that. All right. Uh so look, anyways, let's hear what big Frank has to say. Again, this is courtesy of Boxing Seaman again from Sean Nam. Promoter Frank Warren is chomping at the bit to get his heavyweight charge, Daniel Dubois, in the ring with British countryman Anthony Joshua. All right, Warren, the head of England-based Queensbury Promotions, was in high spirits after Dubois stopped Trevor Bryan in the fourth round of their WBA World, and they're putting that in quotations, as they should. Heavyweight title bout earlier this month at Casino Miami Jai Alai in Miami, Florida. Looked more like a bingo hall, actually, to me. All right. The win gave... Dubois, once a highly regarded prospect, his third straight win since his knockout loss to Joe Joyce in 2020. And that was actually a TKO loss. All right. Not exactly knockout, but OK. With the win over Brian, the 24-year-old Dubois, 18-1, 17 KOs, puts himself into a position to be a mandatory for the winner of the heavyweight unification bout between Joshua and Alexander Usyk. Joshua is projecting to challenge WBA, WBO, IBO, and IBF heavyweight champion Usyk sometime in August in Saudi Arabia. Joshua dropped a decision to Usyk in their first meeting in September at the Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium in London. And here's what big Frank Warren has to say. I fancy him against anybody, Warren said of Dubois in an interview with IFL TV. He's a big, big puncher. He's got a great jab. I've said it before. I honestly think him and Joshua. I think he, Joshua, is made for him. My personal comment on this is I think he's made for him. But Joshua's got to get through Usyk first. Warren made it clear he is pushing for Joshua. was promoted by Warren's Bet Noir, Eddie Hearn, to defeat Usyk. I want the Brit to win, Warren said. Of course I do. This is where it's all happening in the heavyweight division. It's a great if it comes through AJ. We will all be delighted for him. Warren noted he expects Dubois to return to the ring in the fall. He'll fight in late September, early October, Warren said. We'll find him a decent opponent from the fight. And it looks like they're going to be looking into a Dillian White fight for him. I like the Dillian White fight. All right. I like the Dillian White fight. I think that that's a winnable fight for Mr. Daniel Dubois. And uh, I I like the AJ fight, too. I mean, that's if AJ gets to Usyk. I don't see AJ getting through Usyk. But uh, should he get through Usyk? You know, I, I don't even really think the Dubois fight is likely to happen because AJ would probably do everything he can, as would Eddie Hearn, as would Frank Warren, to get not a fight with Daniel Dynamite Dubois, but a fight with the Gypsy King Tyson Fury, because that's actually the fight I think all of us want to see. All right. I know Tony, you have got your views on, on Frank Warren. All right. And uh, I I agree with, with, with Ronald about the fight of the year comments. I don't like comparing female fights to men, men fights. It's just different. It's like, if you're a basketball fan here in the United States and someone says, you know, the best, game this year just randomly I don't know was the Milwaukee Bucks against the Boston Celtics and then someone's like no it wasn't uh, the, the, the best uh, 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 basketball game this year was between uh, the New York Liberty and the LA Sparks really we're talking about men's basketball different sport so that's kind of how I look at it with with, with the female fights too Right. If I say the best match this year was, you know, Chelsea versus Liverpool, we're not talking about the women's clubs. We're talking about the men's teams. All right. So different sport. We got two rounds. i uh, sorry, two minute rounds, uh, 10, 10 round fights, slightly different. But, um, you know, it, a, a lot of people like to cross pollinate. A lot of people like to cross pollinate. All right. So, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird to me. It honestly is, but you know, uh, you know, if we're talking athletics, you're talking the best hundred meter race in the world. Like people usually are talking about the men's, the men's one, but you know, it, it is what it is. Look, Tony saying maestro is being a little bit controversial. No, I'm, I'm not. Katie Taylor Amanda Serrano was the best woman's fight of the year. It's a different sport. Okay. It's a different sport. Tony, I just told you the difference, right? I mean, Tony, I just explained it to you, right? So, again, if if someone says the best match uh, this year was between Man City and Man United and you come along, well, actually, my Astro, the, the, the best match this year was against uh, was the Women's Chelsea Club against the Women's... Uh, 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 uh west ham uh, club that that was the be- that was the best uh, uh, football match of the year like, nobody's talking about that we're talking about the men's sport of boxing which is different than the women's with all respect to the women's sport 100% but we're talking about the men's game like look it's a different and it's even more different because at least in football right you got 2 45 minute halves Right. You got 11 V 11. Right. In boxing, you got 12 championship rounds of three minutes each on the men's side. And you've got, uh, you know, 10 rounds of of two minutes each on the women's side. So it, it's it's a little bit different, Tony. It's a little bit different, I think. Little bit, j- just a little bit. All right. But again, if if I if I'm talking about the best player in basketball and, you know, I'm telling you, I think it's, it's Steph Curry. Right. And, and uh, you know, you're, you're like, well, my, my um, uh, you know, and I don't think the best basketball player is Steph Curry. Uh, to me, the, the, the best basketball player is a uh, Brittany Griner. Who's Brittany Griner? Oh, well, uh, she plays for the Phoenix Mercury. That That's the best team in basketball. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but, Look, I understand you want to respect the the females. I respect the females 100% as well. I just don't compare women to men. All right? Well, we're not there yet in Maestro's world. We we still keep the sexes separate a little bit. I know a lot of people these days want to combine the sexes. You know, you go from one to another. You know, even in childhood and whatever. But but at least when it comes to contact sports, boxing, I hope we can agree. That, that it should be separate. I, I just think it should, I think we can agree that men should be fighting men and women should be fighting women and we just leave it at that. But, you know, this is 2022 and, and I guess people want to, you know, cross, cross-pollinate, so to speak. All right? So it is what it is. Anyways, back to the news, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I was at the uh, press conference this Monday. And, uh, you know, a few interesting things happened. Tony, we, we were talking about this on Twitter, right? Or Canelo actually says his favorite fighter in the sport, non-Mexican. All right. And it's probably just favorite fighter in the sport. Cause even if it is a Mexican, who really is it going to be? He essentially said his favorite fighter in the sport is tank Davis and that he loves the way he fights. So that was pretty interesting to me. I was actually there in the media scrum for that. All right. And, um, uh, pretty interesting comment there. I, I felt that that was very interesting. Tony, you sent me the the video footage of that over Twitter, and I was actually sitting right there when, when he said it. So it, it was very interesting. Anyways, this one here is courtesy of Manuk Akopian. Uh, same boxing scene. According to, Can, uh, to Golovkin, Canelo's wrongs won't be forgotten. It stays with you. It stays with you, according to Golovkin. Now... Very interesting to me. And I put up my interview, very short interview I did with Canelo. It's here on the website if anybody wants to look at it. Where uh, he did comment on the fact that, you know, he's fighting this fight because according to him, the fans wanted it. I think that's kind of debatable, but he said that. He also said that essentially the zone and match room came with the bag. But also he said that it's personal for him. And uh, it was also interesting to him and to many members of the media there that were there, myself included, that Golovkin didn't necessarily want to talk about the things that he said in the past. Some of the statements he's made about Canelo being a liar, Canelo being a cheater, Canelo should be put up to a lie detector test so that we can really figure out what happened. Anyhow, uh so you know, some of those statements were made, anyways. They, these these ones were out of out of Los Angeles, all right. And I'm gonna get right to the quotes, all right. Golovkin never bought Canelo's tainted beef argument, and he again alluded to Alvarez's Alvarez's sorry misfraction, and he did it in L.A. He didn't really do it in in New York City, where I am, and where. The press conferences I attend usually are held, you know. Anyhow, he did something wrong. It will not be completely forgotten. You don't come out clean after doing something wrong. It'll stay with you. Golovkin told BoxingScene.com and other reporters through a translator. (laughs) Guys, uh, this is a pet peeve of mine, by the way. Okay. This is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, but a translator is someone that translates text in a book or in a magazine. All right. Someone who's interpreting what someone is saying is an interpreter. It's not a translator, it's an interpreter. Anyways, I digress. That one always, you know, it's one of my pet peeves. All right. The person standing beside a fighter or any athlete or anyone at the United Nations is not translating their words. They're interpreting their words. Translation is done through text. Anyways, I digress. Superhuman power requires a special ingredient. Golovkin's then trainer Abel Sanchez said while eating a steak as the Kazakh fighter vigorously trained. And it's called hard work. The 40-year-old Golovkin has since regained his championship pedigree following the only loss of his career, and he's currently a unified middleweight champion. Golovkin will fight the first time in his career at 168 pounds, looking to get revenge against Alvarez. What we have here is strictly business, said Golovkin. Alvarez has persisted that this trilogy is deeply personal to him. Something he actually said to me, guys, funny enough, when I sat down with him. Golovkin sounded indifferent when asked if beating Alvarez would be the hallmark victory of his career. Not at all. I feel very cool about it. Of course all victories are different. From an emotional standpoint, I've completely cooled down and relaxed about it. After two fights with him, it's just another fight, said Golovkin. I don't want you to get the impression that I am still in boxing because of Alvarez. I'm still fighting. I'm still in the sport. He's not the reason. Uh, You know, look, I, I met Gennady for the first time on Monday. I got to be honest. That just sounds like a cap to me. It-, it It really sounds like a cap. And I'll tell you why. The dude was sitting on the shelf waiting for payday. He want payday. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. I mean, how long was he on the shelf before he decided to take on Murata, who everyone thought was a very winnable fight for for Golovkin. I I actually thought that Murata would do better than he did, but the consensus was that he pretty much dismantled uh, Murata, and he did. All right. During that time, he didn't go... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did did he go near Bubu Andrade? Uh, Did he take on, I don't know, uh, Jamal Charlo? Or was he waiting just to, to pretty much to fight Canelo? I mean, that's kind of what it seemed like to me. I mean, I could be way off, but really that's how I see it. So, to me, it does really seem that Triple G's legacy is really tied to Canelo. And that, I mean, look, if if beating Canelo isn't the signature win of your career, what is? Matthew Macklin? David Lemieux? I don't know. Vanis Marta What about Camille Zerometa? Or I don't know, maybe it was going out to Tokyo and beating Murata, right? Of course, beating Canelo would be the biggest fight of your career. Of course, it would be the biggest win of his career. There's no doubt about it. So for him to say that beating Canelo wouldn't be like the hallmark statement of his career. I don't know. Maybe to him it isn't. But to me, it definitely sounds disingenuous for him to say that. I think. You know, but uh, again, that's just. That, that's just my 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 opinion on it. And um, you know, he is a unified champion at, at 160 pounds. So, you know, it is what it is. George H., you think he already beat Canelo twice? Well, officially, he hasn't. All right, that's like Caterrol saying that he beat Josh Taylor. It it hasn't happened yet. All right. It hasn't happened yet. So. Uh, I think I'm gonna end on this one. Oh, there are there are a couple other a couple other stories here, but th- this of the remaining stories, this is the one I think is the most interesting. And uh I'm talking about what team Bivol has said. All right, because it's very interesting to me that when it comes to the talk of Bivol taking on Better B, that. The resistance to that fight doesn't really seem to be coming from Team Betterbeep, okay because I spoke to Mark Ramsey I spoke to Iceman John Scully I spoke to Russ Amber I'm sounding like Mo Green from The Godfather too I spoke to these to these guys and they all told me that they want an undisputed unification fight with Bivol, right? And while they're saying that, I mean, Bob Arum's out there talking about the zone being the dead zone, or is it the dark zone? I forget which. But he's essentially saying that the fight shouldn't happen, and, I mean, he seems to be very, very interested in this Anthony Yard fight. I mean... Guys, help me out. Uh, are you more interested in seeing Anthony Yard a uh, uh, fight uh, Better Be than seeing Bevov fight Better Be? Uh, I'm I'm definitely on Team hashtag Better Be Bevov. That that's the fight I want to see. All right, that's definitely the fight I want to see. But uh, it doesn't seem like like Bob Arum is very interested in that. And then you've got Eddie Hearn giving an interview. All right, where he's essentially saying, guys, listen, let's just put this up to a blind bid. Let's just go to a hotel. All right, you put a bid in your envelope. I'll put a bid in my envelope. And the person that puts in the biggest blind bid gets to promote this very important undisputed unification fight. All right. So, it seems like, again, I spoke to Team Better Beeb here in New York City. Shout out to Russ Amber, Mark Ramsey, Iceman John Scully, who in my estimation is the best training team in boxing, that trio. All right? The best one-man army is Ismail Salas, but the best army is Mark Ramsey, Iceman John Scully, and Russ Amber. It doesn't get better than that trio. It just doesn't. But, so we've heard from them. They want the Boval fight. We've heard from Eddie Hearn. He wants the Baval fight with B- Better Bee. We've heard from, from unfortunately, from, from Bob Arum slash Top Rank, it doesn't appear like they really want it, right? But now we get to hear from Team Better B. And uh this this is again what, what is being reported by Boxing Scene Courtesy of Sean Nam. So the manager of Dmitry Bivol is confident that it is only a question of time before Russian light heavyweight titlist Dmitry Bivol and Artur Betterbeeb contend for the undisputed championship. Vadim Kornilov, Bivol's longtime handler, sorry, it should be handler typo their boxing scene indicated recently that while a fight between Bivol, the wba 175 pound title holder and better Beeb the wbc wbo and ibf champion may not happen necessarily soon he is still convinced that the fight will take place at some point down the road Kornilov, in particular pushed back against the notion that the fight was a pipe dream by the way that's what what bob arum's been saying because of the fighters' respective network allegiances, Bavol fights primarily on DAZN, the subscription streaming service that has strong ties with Bavol's co-promoter, Matchroom, while BetterBeeb exclusively fights on ESPN, the sports media giant that has an exclusive arrangement with BetterBeeb's promoter, Top Rank. In most cases, top fighters aligned with different platforms seldom get the opportunity to face each other. Bob Arum, the head of top rank, recently said he had no problems on letting Better Beeb fight Bivol unless the fight happened on ESPN. Oh, sorry, no plans on letting Better Beeb fight Bivol unless the fight happened on ESPN. Despite those pointed comments, Kornilov thinks the fight will happen so long as the fighters continue to apply the necessary pressure. Of course it is possible, Kornilov told BoxingScene.com. It is really up to the boxers to push for the fight to happen or not. The networks, of course, can be a barrier, but sooner or later barriers usually are overcome and the big fights are made. Of course, we are interested in the undisputed fight, Kornilov told continued. This is the fight to make in order to settle dominance and legacy in the division. Kornilov was impressed with Bederbib's or Betterbeeb's latest performance, a second-round knockout of Joe Smith Jr. at the Hulu Theater at the Madison Square Garden. The win gave better be three of the four light heavyweight titles. So, I I, I got to agree with Vadim on this one. Vadim Kornilov, Bivol's manager in this situation. The fighters have to really step up and make demands. I mean, you are a world champion. You're an elite fighter. You're one of the biggest fighters in the sport. Your unified champion in better beef. you've got to push Bob to make this fight. All right. Because it's clear that your team wants it. It's clear that Bivol wants it. It's clear that Bivol's team wants it. It's clear that Bivol's co promoter and Eddie Hearn wants it. And I would even dare to say that this is a fight that the zone would put Bucks down on. Bucks, euros, pounds, yen, yuan, lira, whatever the case may be, dinars, they would put the money down on this, all right? Because globally, this is an important fight. It it does good numbers in the United States, I think, and I'm, I'm guessing it does great numbers across the world, especially Europe and Central Asia and East Asia and, you know, I mean, Latin America, the... Boxing fans around the world want to see this fight. So fighters, they they do have to step up and make it clear. This is what I'm doing. I'm not on the Dana White plantation contract with the UFC. I do have some level of autonomy and decision-making power and control here. And I want to exercise it. All right. I want to exercise that. I mean otherwise like just go join the UFC and have these guys take 82% of the money and leave you hung out to dry where even at the end of the career they're, they're blocking you from being able to get paydays in in uh in boxing. Right? So this fight should happen and it's up to to people to really really start clamoring for that, I think. All right. And uh Guys, in terms of the major major news, all right, uh that's pretty much it. All right, so you know, there were some announcements about Steve Rolls being back in action in Toronto that dropped a couple moments ago on 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 boxing scene and you know, there's some 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 waves being made. I don't know how big they are about the uh, Barboza fight. All right. Um I'm talking about Arnold Barboza, 26 and 0. Apparently, he's going to be taking on Danielito Zoria. And that will be on July 15th in an ESPN televised main event. You guys can check out boxing scene if you want some more info on that one. But that is reading the scene, ladies and gentlemen. That's check it out. Check me out. All right. I'm here. Alright, I'm gonna be doing this pretty much every day. So come back and join me. Thank you. Come back, lad. cloud, shoot up on fire, man.